morning's reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 1. You can find it on page 723 of the Church Bibles. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring glad tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Good morning, as uh, Mark said, my name is Richard Warne and I'm an occasional preacher here and it's my pleasure to speak about this passage from Isaiah. But first, could you pray with me? In the words of Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, how are your Christmas plans going? All the presents bought? All the decorations up? Food ready? Or, more like us, still planning? Well, it feels like we've been thinking about Christmas for a long time. I think it was still October when I walked into a local convenience store and saw a sign saying, Merry Christmas. And those adverts that we see on television with cute raccoons and promisings of all the good stuff seem to have been going on rather a long time. Love them or loathe them. Still, 
two weeks to go, and it's hard to, to argue that we're fairly close to Christmas. And from the Christian church perspective, our two lit candles tell us we're halfway through the season of Advent. This is the season where we think about one of the most important days of the year, Christmas Day, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And Advent is a season for reflection, for candles, for those great Christmas carols that we're beginning to sing. It's also a time for readings from Isaiah. We had one last week, and we have one this week. But I wonder, why are we reading passages from a book written nearly eight centuries before Jesus was born in the season of Advent? And let's face it, it's nearly 3,000 years ago that these words were written. How can this be relevant for Christmas? And indeed, is it really relevant, and what lessons can we learn for today? So I'm going to try and answer those questions, but first it might be worth spending a moment talking about the book of Isaiah and putting it into context. There's no doubt that the book of Isaiah is one of the extraordinary books in the Bible. Written, as I said, nearly 800 years before Christ's time, the cruel Assyrian Empire had conquered and occupied the lands of Judah and most of Israel. Uh, as was the custom of the Assyrian uh, kings, conquered people were often put in exile and transferred to what we would recognize as refugee camps. It was definitely a time of great suffering for the people that Isaiah was writing for. It's a sadness that today, in that very same region, we see people suffering the effect of war and terror. But despite this terrible and unpromising background, Isaiah's book contains some of the richest images and poetry in the whole Bible. Where else can you expect to read about trees that clap their hands? Or mountains and forests that sing? Little wonder that many of our favorite choruses have just taken the words from Isaiah's book. And although Isaiah covers these terrible times, he doesn't just write a simple history. He's a prophet. He has a message from God. For him, history is not a simple timeline. He sees what's happening in terms of God's eternal plan. When you read the book, the future, the present, and the past are all mixed up. As if he is standing outside the relentless passage of time. So the book contains a number of transcendent themes that some scholars have likened the book to being the fifth gospel because of its prophetic nature and the message that it brings. So let's look at this passage now in that context. So chapter 40, which was read wonderfully by David, uh, opens with those words, Comfort, comfort, my people, says the God. Says your God. The word comfort is repeated twice for emphasis. And surely, as those people's 
struggled against the cruelty of the Assyrian Empire. These were words that they desperately wanted to hear. And the words are spoken in the imperative in the original language. So they're not just spoken. They are commands to be comforted. A thousand years later, or near enough a thousand years later, we read in Luke's Gospel the words, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. He foresaw another time of suffering, which most scholars would agree happened 50 years later when the Romans overran the city, uh, all but destroying it. And in fact, you can still see the impacts of their siege and ramparts that they built. And surely today's suffering in Jerusalem and around the area must make us all weep with Jesus. But the passage points to um, some more significant events and offers more than just words of comfort. Someone is coming. And in verse 3, we hear a voice shouting out in the wilderness. A herald saying, prepare the way for the Lord, God. But Isaiah doesn't tell us when the Lord is coming, or indeed even who the messenger is. No. It takes another 800 years before perhaps that answer is given in the Gospel of Matthew where we read in chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. This is who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So was John the Baptist really that messenger that Isaiah was talking about, that the Gospels claim? And we go on in the passage to read of more voices crying out, again in verse 6 and in verse 9. And what are they crying about? In in verses 7 and 8, we read the voice talking about the enduring word of God that outlasts everything. That same word that the book of John speaks about as being in the beginning and coming to dwell with us as Jesus Christ. He contrasts it to those things that pass, like grass, flowers that wither, and indeed the Assyrian Empire, which would fall and end up a footnote in history. And in verse 9, again voices shout out across Jerusalem and they shout about good news. Good news that God is coming. And John the Baptist that we just read about and the gospel writers believe that, as I do, that good news was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So could Isaiah's words really be pointing to events that we're about to celebrate in two weeks' time? Elsewhere in the book of Isaiah, we read several passages that point to these events. In chapter 7, we read, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Surely pointing to events that happened in Bethlehem. And finally, in verses 10 and 11, we read about an all-powerful God, but also one who can be tender, like a shepherd, who gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. These words, as I believe, were personified in the life of Jesus Christ, and he spoke about this nature. So really, can a prophet 800 years earlier predict these events? Well, if you read later in the book of Isaiah, he predicted very accurately the rise of the Babylonian Empire and its fall. So yeah, I do believe that prophets can predict these events. And I believe that this message of good news is definitely worth shouting about. It was a comfort to his people at the time, suffering under the Assyrian Empire, just as I think it's as relevant today. Because we believe in a God that so loved the world that he came to dwell amongst us in the person of Jesus. So that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Isaiah offered his people an alternative to their bad news, to their struggles. And I believe he offers us an antidote to the endless cycle of bad news in our days. So is that worth shouting about? Absolutely. But I'll admit, shouting is not a natural thing in our somewhat reserved Anglo-Saxon culture. I certainly speak for myself when I say I struggle at times to even share the message quietly. But there are things that we can do. And I believe in the power, with the help of God, anything is possible. A couple of weeks ago, six of us from St. Mary of Bethany went along to a conference attended by 500 people from 100 churches around the Diocese of, Gulf, of Guildford. It was Bishop Andrew's conference on church growth. We read in the papers about the demise of the Church of England, about declining numbers. Um, and I have to say I found no evidence of any decline at this conference. We had speeches from Nicky Gumbel, who's known for his work in Alpha, from Rachel Gardner, who is CEO of Youthscape, who does fantastic work with young people spreading the gospel. It was an inspirational day full of ideas about what we can do to really get the message out. Yes, shouting good news can feel hard, but there are things right now that we could do. We have our Christmas services coming up. Why not invite someone along to those services? It's very easy to do. And we have Alpha coming, which is a great opportunity to invite someone along to hear about the good news. Or, indeed, if you're sitting here wanting to learn more, it's a great opportunity to do so. Let's face it, people have been shouting about this good news for 3,000 years, so we'll be in good company. Amen.